I can hear people in the lobby saying, you got to get in there, you got to get in there and, and, uh, and hear that song. Awesome, awesome. Great to see you again this morning. Happy January to you. Hopefully you're enjoying your January. Yes? Liking it? Yeah? Can order up some more of that? That's been awesome. Thank God. Uh, I'm not looking for sympathy, but I am headed to Cuba this week. And, uh, I knew I was going to get that response. Um, Quick trip, going down Tuesday, back Saturday. I'll be here to preach next Sunday. And uh, my father uh, spent a lot of time in and out of Cuba, uh, did a lot of work in Cuba. My dad towed oil rigs around the world and uh, was often in Cuba. And, and I, uh, several times I, I remember seeing his ship leave Halifax, loaded down with bicycles and toys and clothing and, and things that they could uh, give to the people there in Cuba. And he worked with a couple of, uh, you know, little half underground churches and pastors and tried to encourage them. And all of that. And uh, so I've got kind of a, I've never been to Cuba, but I feel like I've got a little connection to the place because of my dad and his time there. Uh, just recently, the Wesleyan Church received uh, the first building permit given to a religious group in over 50 years. Wesleyan Church. That's pretty cool. So I'm going down this week and I'm looking for opportunities for all of us. And I hope that I come back uh, uh, encouraging you to go on a, on a missions trip. Maybe next winter you'll be in Cuba uh, serving them and helping them. Everyone here should, should either go on a short-term missions trip or you should help somebody else uh, raise their money. You should support someone else going on a short-term missions trip at least once. I believe that. So uh, that's where I'll be this week. I also want to give a shout out to uh, our brand new MW Kids Midweek program that kicked off last Tuesday night. It was awesome. And yeah, it was great news. It was incredible. Rebecca Lewis is leading that. Uh, Gayla and I, my wife and I are volunteering in that. I'm the hall monitor. And uh, they let me do something like that. They trusted me with that responsibility of being hall monitor. And uh, so we're having a lot of fun down there. It was, it was high energy. The kids loved it. The parents loved it. And so if you know anyone uh, between the age of five and grade five, anyone at all, anybody that you work with, anyone on your street, anyone that you know, you need to tell them to get their kids here this Tuesday night from 6.15 until 7.30. It is awesome. And it's free. Awesome and free. How do we do that? It's crazy. We're in week three of our guardrail series, the series that doesn't end until someone buys me that car. <laughs> I'm joking. And uh, getting a lot of positive feedback on the series. And if you miss a week or want to share it with someone else, uh, all the, the services are up on our website, so you can do that. Here's the definition of a guardrail. We'll put it up on the screen for you again. Definition for the series, and you probably have this memorized by now. A guardrail, a personal standard of behavior that becomes a matter of conscience that serves as a guardrail to you. You know this by now, so let's read it together out loud. You ready? A personal standard of behavior that becomes a matter of conscience that serves as a guardrail to you. And most of us already know uh, the stuff that gets us in trouble. 
You already know the stuff that you're, you're prone to, the stuff that you're tempted by, the stuff that, that you've really got to be, be, be careful with, the stuff that messes up your life, or the stuff that hurts the people uh, who love you the most. And we know that it's not helpful to take a guardrail and, and put a guardrail in the ditch somewhere. That's not helpful. It's not helpful to take a guardrail and put it halfway down the cliff somewhere. If a guardrail is going to be helpful, you need to put it far enough away from disaster so that when you see it, when you approach it, when you get close to it, you know, something lights up inside of you and you react and you respond and you say, that, that is a no-fly zone. That is, that is a place where I've, I've got no business going there. And you back away, you, you respond, you react to the guardrail. Today's guardrail is all about temptation. And, and I'll just tell you up front, this sermon will only uh, be relevant and applicable to people who have ever struggled with temptation, which is all of us, right? And so if you're sitting there this morning and you're tempted to think that this doesn't apply to you, I would say set up a guardrail and don't give into that temptation. Temptation is, 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 is a you know, massive, broad subject, but not for you. It's narrow for you. It's, it's it's real personal for you. It's, 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 there are a few things, right, that, that really, um, you know, attract you. There are a few things that, 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 that are issues for each one of us. And you know your weaknesses. You know the things that, that, that trigger you or that fire you up or that light your senses up. The things that, 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 that lure you. They're trying to, to pull you over the edge and to ignore those guardrails. Now... I just want to feel like I need to be really transparent here and just tell you about my, my sermon preparation this week. And I'm writing this, and I'm thinking this through, and I'm praying over this. And I, I couldn't stop thinking about the difference that this one message could, could make, the difference that this message could, could have in our church. Not because, you know, of, of eloquence, not because of... You know, something that I thought of to, you know, to write down or anything like that. But, but what if everyone in this room seriously took this to heart this morning? What if everyone in this room made radical changes in our lifestyle? What if everyone in this room determined and, 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 and got filled with God's presence and just left here, you know, doing their, be- their absolute best in every area of their lives to, to honor God and to resist temptation? I mean, if, if that happened today, like you could make decisions in this room in the next few minutes that literally change, alter the spiritual trajectory of your family for generations. That's how powerful this is. You, you, could, you could make a decision today that, that, that your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren could benefit from the decisions that you're making today. This could lead whole families to live fully devoted lives for Jesus. This could save generations from pain, from regret, from, from dysfunction, you know? It, I mean, this, it has the potential uh, to do that here in this room this morning. And so I'm, I'm a little wound up about that. I'm, I'm a little excited about the potential that is in this room. If we would, if we would get this, if we would uh, respond to, not to me, not responding to me, but responding to God's word, responding to the, the Holy Spirit and what he's speaking to us today. So here's my prayer on the front end of this this morning. God, help us to more than hear this. 
Easy to hear a sermon, right? You hear them all the time, right? You come in every week and hear a sermon. But God, help us to more than hear this. Help us to absorb your truth to our depths. Help us to absorb your truth to our depths and set us free by the power of your word today. So that's my prayer. I'm sure you've had times when you wonder, why do I have to live with temptation? Why does it even exist? Why do I have this this constant tension, this this struggle, this this churn that, that, that just seems to never go away? Can't somebody turn it off? Why do I have to live in that, in that constant tension? The Apostle Paul, who, was, uh, who wrote almost two-thirds of the New Testament, the greatest leader, writer, and spokesperson for the church outside of Jesus, even the Apostle Paul said this in Romans chapter 7, verse 15, Paul says, I don't really understand myself. You ever been there? Paul says, I don't understand myself. I don't get it. Because what I, I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. I do the things that I don't want to do. It's like, I just don't get it. Most of the, the big, you know, heroes of the Bible, the big names of Scripture, had to deal with significant bouts of temptation. They went through the same kind of stuff that we go through. And some of them overcame their struggles and were victorious. And there are others who just crashed and burned. They didn't win that battle at all. They, they, there was destruction and carnage and wreckage and, and everything all around them. And then they had, those people had to deal with years of, of reconciliation and years of, of restoration and trying to rebuild you know, trust with, with people. And what this shows us is that God didn't, he didn't create you, me, as, as just mindless robots. Right? That's not the way we're wired, without a will. You, you will have to choose if you're going to serve God or if you're going to serve your own desires. For instance, you chose to come in here this morning. We're glad that you did. You chose to, to worship. I think, I think you're glad that you chose to be here for worship this morning. And worship wouldn't be worship if you didn't have a choice. Like if someone forces you to worship, that's not, that's not really worship. Worship becomes something special when you look at at all your options and all the things that you could be doing, and you choose to put God first. You choose to worship Him. It was around 1,400 years before, before Christ, uh, a leader by the name of Joshua, said this. He said, choose today who you will serve. Choose who you will serve. But as for me, in my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Having a choice and choosing which way to go was part of God's plan from the very beginning. This was preloaded or hardwired into creation right from the very beginning. You have uh, Adam and Eve, and they're in the Garden of Eden, and uh, God's creation. Everything's perfect. They have no kids. Uh, They have everything they could possibly want. He keeps moving. They're not pausing too long on that point. They have fresh air. They have wildlife. They have gardens. They have oceans. They have all the coffee that they could drink. Everything, everything was there for them, right? They could have it all. God said, it's, it's here for you. It's for your pleasure. Enjoy it all. And you can have it all. Except for that. I should point it back here at the yellow car. <laughs> except for that, right? 
God says you can have everything you want except, except for one thing. Now that's a good deal. I would take that deal. Wouldn't you take that deal? That is a good deal. And it shows us that the potential to go our own way, the potential to turn our backs on God was always there. The potential to, to negotiate with God. You find yourself negotiating with God? To doubt and to question. You know, did God really say? You know, is that really wrong? That that was always there to decide for ourselves what, what we think is off limits rather than, than simply accepting the things that God says are wrong for us. If we, you know, decide, well, there's, there's something that God has said that's off limits, then we negotiate that. We say, well, is it off limits for me? Is it always off limits? Are there times when it's, you know, and, and we start, you know, doing this and it's off, off limits for you, it might not be for me, and we, you know, do all that sort of stuff. If the potential for temptation was always there, then the potential for redemption was always there. If things can go wrong, things can be made right. And if you follow that thread all the way through Scripture, it'll, you'll end up at the foot of the cross, where Jesus gives his life to set us free from the power of sin. That's the good news. Two things you need to know about temptation before we get into our main text for today. Number one, temptation is always disaster in disguise. It is always disaster in disguise. Temptation doesn't show up and, and say, Hi, my name is Temptation and I'm here to ruin your world. Right? It doesn't show up and say, Hi, I, I'm here to, to completely, totally wreck your marriage and to mess up your life and blah, you know. It, it never does that, right? Alcoholics know that the first drink didn't promise to ruin their lives. There wasn't a message on the label or fine print that said, Someday you will be willing to give everything for one more drink. Right? It doesn't tell you that up front. The person who's tempted by drugs or porn or to cheat on their taxes or to chase someone who isn't their spouse, that temptation doesn't tell them up front that it's there to ruin their lives. It's, it's always disaster in disguise. Number two, the hesitation before the temptation is your salvation. Now, I know that's cheesy, but it's, you can, it's memorable. Okay? You can remember that. The hesitation right before the temptation, that's your salvation. That, that split second where something in your mind says, no, you, you, you should not do this. That, that, that gut check. And, and in that moment, you, you might picture a cross. You might hear Pastor Tim's words coming back to you from the guardrail series. You might picture your granny with a rolling pin. Whatever you picture, whatever you hear, whatever, whatever that gut check is, that hesitation, when you know that you should bail, you should run, baby, run, you should flee, baby, flee, you should reverse, 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 back up, get out of here, don't go there, don't, you know, listen to those voices, listen to that guardrail, you know better, you know you don't, you should not be doing that, that, that hesitation before the temptation is your salvation. The Apostle Paul again, he said this, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. I like that little part in the middle. God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. 
And when you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. And that way out often isn't, it's just a blink. It's just that, that, that hesitation right before where you know better. Where you know, okay, yeah, yeah, whoa, 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 what was I thinking, right? Just that hesitation. That's your out right there. That's your salvation. If we're going to learn about temptation, we can't do any better than to study the temptation of Jesus. It's Matthew chapter 4. And um, if you follow me on Twitter, usually by Wednesday or Thursday, I will tweet out the text for Sunday. And I, I, I send it, I call it for keeners each week, you know, because the keeners want to know, hey, what are you preaching on Sunday? And the keeners want to get into the text and read it ahead of time. So there's just a little more incentive to follow on Twitter. Okay. It's Matthew chapter 4. And back, the end of Matthew chapter 3 is the baptism of Jesus. And this is right after Jesus' baptism. He and the disciples are on their way to Swiss Chalet. And bam. I, that's just where people go after baptisms, right? I made that part up. Okay. He's not on his way to Swiss Chalet. He's on his way to fast in the wilderness. And uh, let's read it. Matthew chapter 4 verse 1. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. For 40 days and 40 nights he fasted and became very hungry. During that time the devil came and said to him, If, you know, just raise doubt, raise questions. If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. Jesus told him, No. Scriptures say people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city, Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple, and said, If, if you are the Son of God, jump off. For the scriptures say he will order his angels to protect you. They will hold you up with their hands, so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. Jesus responded, The scriptures also say, You must not test the Lord your God. Next, the devil took him to the peak of a very high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. I will give it all to you, he said, if you will kneel down and worship me. <laughs> I love this part. Jesus says in verse 10, get out of here, Satan. For the scriptures say, you must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil went away and angels came and took care of Jesus. Verse 1 says that the Holy Spirit leads Jesus out into wilderness. This doesn't mean that God's going to come alongside you and take you by the hand and say, let's go find you some trouble. Okay, that's not what it means. You know, let's go find you something that's really going to tempt the socks off you and let's, let's, let's get you like really close to something that's just going to drive you nuts. That's, that's not it. Don't forget that Jesus prayed in the Lord's Prayer, lead us not into temptation. Okay? So there's obviously a specific reason why Jesus needed to go through this experience. It's not so he can go out and party with his friends. Jesus is embarking on a religious pilgrimage to help people like you and me win the battle over temptation. And so right, as I mentioned earlier, right before this, right before Jesus heads out into the desert of temptation, um, he's just been baptized by John the Baptist. And that had to be one of the all-time, you know, highlights of, of Jesus' life, highlights of his ministry. It's got to be one of the mountain peaks of the Gospels that, that had to be one of, the, one of the big ones. Picture it now. Jesus comes up out of the water. And, and in John chapter 3, it says that the skies literally opened up. That's cool. Yes? That's cool. The skies open up. The Holy Spirit comes down out of heaven like a dove and lands on Jesus. 
And then a voice speaks from the open skies, probably sounded like James Earl Jones or Will Myers. And a voice speaks out of the open sky saying, this is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. That had to be one of the, you know, the all-time highlights, spectacular, the baptism of Jesus. And Jesus goes from, from the high of, of being baptized and the sky breaking open and doves coming out of nowhere and the voice and all that. He goes from the high of that to the low of the desert and, and hunger and temptation and wrestling with, Jesus, with Satan himself. Doesn't that just sound like Monday? Yes? Have you ever gone through this before? Yes, you have. And the lesson here is that life is full of ups and downs and twists and trials and temptations. And you can't avoid all of them. And you can't ignore them. But you can know that, that anything that you are going through, your God has already gone through that ahead of you. Jesus took on Satan face to face so that you could stare your temptation in the eye and say, get out of my way, eat my dust. I'm not going to throw away my life and throw away everything for some lame, shallow rendezvous with sin. I'm going to take the narrow road. I'm going God's way. I'm going to have more victories than regrets. I'm going to have more wins than losses, more strengths than weaknesses, because greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. I love it when Jesus says, get out of here, Satan. You know, like, just kick it right into the teeth, you know. Get out of my life. Get lost, loser, idiot. You, you can call Satan names. That's okay. <laughs> Forty days in a desert with no food. Forty days in a desert with no food. What happens to you when you're tired and hungry? You get weak. You get weak. You do things. You do things. You just like, well, what? Why did I do that? What was I thinking? It's because you were tired and hungry. You're weak when you're weak. You're weak when you're when you're weak. And so, if you know that, if you know ahead of time, oh, I'm going to be tired or I'm going to be hungry, then make decisions. Get those guardrails back further, even further, and say, okay, I know that when I get there and I'm weak and I'm tired, I just I just do things that I don't know, I just I just lose my mind and I, I, I just I have no resistance when I'm weak and I'm tired and, and I just I do things that I regret. And so if you know that ahead of time, back the guardrail up and make better decisions ahead of time. If you know that you're weak, then maybe maybe you can't be with that person when you're weak and tired. Maybe you can't have your computer by yourself when you're weak and tired. Hello? Maybe you can't, you know, go with those people or hang, or be there when you're weak and you're tired. And you have to know that ahead of time. Say, okay, come on, come on, come on, come on. You know, be smart about this. Back that guardrail up and make better decisions. Especially when you know that you're going to be weak, tired, hungry, worn down. Um, tell someone, you know, call someone. Say, I'm weak. Help a brother out. Help a sister out, you know. Have some accountability. Tweet someone. Do something. But don't. Don't just give in and say, oh man, I'm tired. Because you're going to be tired. You're going to get tired. It's going it's to happen. The three Old Testament references that Jesus uses as ammo against temptation, they're all from the book of Deuteronomy. And this is, 
This is key. This is for a reason. There's a reason that Jesus did this. He does something really cool here. When Satan's testing him and throwing stuff at him, Jesus comes back each time with a, a verse of scripture from the book of Deuteronomy. And Jesus references a time in uh, Israel's history when God was trying to, when God was testing them, when God was trying to, to pull them out of their funk, to pull them out of their, their, their cycle of, of trying to do right, trying to follow God, and then failing, and then blaming, and then, and then repenting. And then they would try, and then they would fail, and then they would blame, and then they would repent. And then they would try, and then they would fail, and then they would blame, and then they would repent. And they just, Israel just had this, this cycle over and over and over again. And Jesus, when he uses those texts from Deuteronomy, he's, it's his way of reminding everyone that, look, when we're, when we're on our own, when it's just you on your own and you're just trying, you can't keep it between the ditches very long. You found this to be true. We're all over the place. We're, we, we, we just jump the guardrails and we're just, we just live, you know, we're a mess. We're all over the place when we try to do that. Jesus is saying, yes, obviously, that's, that's, that's why I'm here. That's why I've come. There's, there's a new promise that, is, that has come to town. There's a new weapon against temptation. And Jesus is saying from this point on, you don't have to face temptation on your, on your own. You don't have to, you know, try to, try to fight with, uh, with religion. Jesus is saying now, this is a new ballgame. Now, now we have the power of Jesus Christ to help us kick temptation in the teeth. Like now he's saying, you have the spirit of the living God living inside of you. That makes a difference if you have God's presence living inside of you. Jesus is saying now it's an unfair advantage. We can look temptation in the face and say that the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead, the power of the resurrection is living inside of me. That's a game changer. I am powered up. If Jesus walked away from an empty tomb so that I could walk away from sin, I have no chains, I have no shackles, I'm a lean, mean, temptation-fighting machine. (laughs) Pastor B's right down here. And if I wouldn't break my toe on that guardrail, Pastor, I I just would have given that a a good shot. Good kick. You have, if you're, if you're a Christ follower, think about this game. Think about this. It's an unfair advantage. You have the power of the resurrection, the resurrected Jesus Christ. You have God's presence living inside of you. What is stronger than that? What can overcome you? What can take you down? What can ruin your life? Nothing. You can, you can just say, get out of here. Get lost. You're not ruining my life. It's a game changer. So Jesus, he goes back to Deuteronomy three times and goes, look, look, look at, you know, it didn't work out so well for them. That's why I'm here. I'm here to help you with this. The three temptations. Sounds like a reunion tour of what's left of the famous Motown group. (laughs) The three temptations uh, of Matthew chapter four that Jesus faced, they're, they're symbolic of pretty much anything that Satan can throw at you. Now watch this. The three ways that Jesus was tempted are are the same three ways you and I are always tempted, okay? Number one, physical needs and desires. Right? Physical needs and desires. Number two, 
possessions and power. And number three, pride. That's it. Those were the three temptations in Matthew chapter four. The ways that Satan tried to tempt Jesus are very, very similar to the ways that you and I are tempted. Number one, physical needs and desires. Number two, possessions and power. Number three, pride. That's pretty much any way that you're going to be tempted. It's going to fall into one of those one of those deals. And if Jesus had given in, his whole mission, everything, everything would have been down the drain. The salvation of humanity, gone. Gone. And you know what? Something is always riding on your temptation. And whether or not you resist or, or give in, there's always something riding on that. And one of the temptations in temptation is, is, is to think, well, this only really hurts me. It only affects me. And it never only affects you. It affects everyone around you. It affects the people who love you. Uh, you've heard me say this before. Those of you who, who, who come here regularly, it, it affects your church. Because what would happen if all of us left here this week and no one here this week, no one gave into a temptation. We all resisted every temptation. Would that make a difference? Yes, it would. So it, it never really just affects you. There's always something riding on it. Sin always costs. Even if you think you're getting away with it, sooner or later it will cost you. Why is it such a big deal? It's a big deal because Jesus paid the ultimate price for your freedom from sin. He paid the ultimate price so that you wouldn't be bound to sin, so that you wouldn't be trapped and snared and caught and, 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 and keep giving in to that. He, he paid the ultimate price so that you could be free from sin. What if every temptation had a price tag? What if uh, you're going to give in to that and it's going to cost you 50 bucks? This one cost you 100 bucks, maybe another one cost you a million, it doesn't matter. And the only way out of that temptation, the only way to, to really resist it was, was to pay for it. Well, the price has already been paid. That's what Jesus did. It's a big deal because God knows that sin separates us from God. And it can ultimately ruin our lives. So, how we're going to respond this morning is we're going to, first of all, first thing we're going to do is spend a couple minutes in awkward silence. And I'm going to give you time. Uh, time to, to listen God's voice. Time to simply bow in God's presence and, and, and allow Him, invite Him to speak deeply into every area of your life and, and don't hold anything back. And whatever it is that God surfaces or brings to light, uh, acknowledge it, confess it, surrender it, ask God to forgive you. We're going to have a couple minutes of silence, and then I'm going to I'm going to pray for us, and um, and then I'd also like us to pray this morning for for strength, renewed strength, but then more than just renewed strength. I'd like us to have I'd like us to leave here this morning stronger than we've ever been before. 
I'd, I'd love you for you to leave here this morning feeling like a warrior. Feeling like, like the power of God is in you and that you're not going to face anything that, that you and Jesus can't overcome this week and that you're going to win the, those battles, that you're going to be victorious, that you're going you're gonna to live that way, not for a day or a week, but this is the trajectory of your life from, from, for forever. So we're going to pray for that kind of strength, that God would be with us, and then Pastor Jay is going to come and lead us in a, in a worship song, and we'll just continue to respond to the Lord. So at this time, let's spend uh, a minute or two in just silence in God's presence. Jesus, I thank you. Thank you, Lord, that you're, you're here. And I thank you for what you're doing in hearts and lives. And I know, God, that it, it's, it's not easy. It might be difficult for, for some of us to, to think about some of these things. It might be difficult to acknowledge our weaknesses, to acknowledge the, the things that that constantly tempt us, the things that, uh, that, that we're drawn to, to acknowledge our humanity and our weakness. And God, I just thank you this morning for what we can sense being done here in this room. And it's, it's, it's so powerful. As people uh, confess, as people acknowledge things in their lives that are, that are sin, Things in their lives that are harmful, that that separate us from, from you. And as we just allow those things to surface and we we let go of them and we say, Jesus, uh, I want you to take this mess, this stuff, these things, Lord, I, I, I confess to you the areas where I've I've not heated the guardrails. I've not resisted the temptation and I've, I've given in. Lord, for the times when we hear your voice, we get that hesitation and we just blow through it. God, I pray that you would forgive us for that. And Lord, I want to thank you this morning for your, your great, deep love for each one of us. And that 
as we come to you this morning, you welcome us. You, you, you open your arms and, and you're so glad that, that we're coming to you. And you just receive us like a, like a perfect heavenly father. And you, you pour your grace deep into our lives and it washes over our souls and over every area of our lives. And God, I'm so thankful that your, your mercies are new right now, that we, we can never, um, we can never uh, uh, use them up. We can never go uh, beyond the reach of grace. And so God, I, I just thank you for how you're power washing our souls, our lives right now and making us clean. And the Lord, I pray that I pray for strength. I pray for those who feel weak, for those who have felt helpless against the, the temptation. For those who have felt like they just, they simply can't, they, they, they're not strong enough. The temptation's too great. God, I pray that you would fill them right now with your presence in such a, 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 a real, honest, powerful way that they would leave here uh, just feeling stronger than ever before and just feeling spiritually prepared to win those battles and, and to kick temptation in the teeth and to say, no, I'm not going there and uh, to live victorious lives that you've created us to live. God, I pray that we as a church, Moncton Wesley, would, would, just, would just live lives of, of victory that would be such a an influence and such a testimony in our culture that people would see that, that Jesus is alive, that this stuff works, that God is not dead, and that he, is, he loves us and He is with His people. And I, I pray that that would give others hope. So Lord, I just thank you again for what you're doing. I pray, God, that you'd be with anyone who's, who's here and doesn't, doesn't know you as their Savior. There might be someone who's saying right now, God, I, I want to know you. I, I want to invite you into my life. I believe in that Jesus is your son, that Jesus came to die on a cross for my sin. And I, I'm, I'm saying right now that I, I want you to come into my life and I'll serve you and follow you for the rest of my life. Thank you, Jesus. For, for forgiving me and for making me your child today. So Lord, as we continue to worship, have your way and uh, draw us closer to you. Make us a people of full surrender who hold nothing back. We ask in Jesus' name.